Pastor Jimmy is out of town. Him and Karen are on vacation. They're enjoying, actually, they're enjoying Key West. And so I've had to block him from Facebook because he keeps posting these pretty pictures and stuff. I just don't want to see if I can't share it. But uh, they're, they're in a much-needed vacation and uh, enjoying some time with each other. So they'll be back tomorrow. So pray for them. You know, they have a safe trip back, refreshed, and, and ready to go. And we have a guest speaker today. He is uh, Paul Stokes. He has been part of our church for a while. He's a retired minister, and God has used him in, uh, you know, in different places as a minister at the church. He was in Pennsylvania, and he's here. And he's helping with us. You know, the last time he preached, he was filling in for me because I was injured in the hospital. But we wanted to give Paul an opportunity to, to share what God has placed on his heart. So let's welcome Paul to, uh, to the platform this morning. Thank you, Donnie. Good morning. It's good, good to be with you, and it's good that I didn't have to put Donnie in the hospital just to get a chance to come out here and speak to you. But... Uh, it is a privilege to be here, and, uh, you know, I enjoy this church. I enjoy being a member here, as I told them in the last service, that I just enjoy coming in and being part of the worship service, absorbing the, the, the music and the, and the songs and the messages. Um, if you're just a guest here today, Please come back next week. It'll return to normal. The, <laughs> if you look at the picture uh, of uh, uh, Jimmy in, in your uh, handouts there, you'll notice that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, 20 years older and have a beard. And he's not half the preacher, uh, preacher that he is. And he's such a wonderful teacher, preacher, that he brings the scriptures to life. And it's just a treat to be here and be ministered to. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy coming to church and sitting with my family, listening to the, the, to the, the worship service, and, and the messages are just great. We've got a good thing going here. This church is growing, and, and uh, please, I don't want to be part of a decline. So, so, so if you're a guest, come back. If, if you're regular, just put up with me just for this service, and, and then Jimmy will be back. But. You know, I wanted to talk this morning about something I found fascinating. <coughs> Excuse me. They, through the uh, space station and orbiting the Earth and, and uh, some of the experiments that they had, they have discovered that there's like 26 uh, underground lakes under uh, the Sahara Desert. 26 lakes that aren't tapped. That's a wealth of water in a land that's starving for water. Think of, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> well, I hope that doesn't continue. I know when you cough into one of these microphones, it, it sounds terrible. I know. Anyway, as I was saying, there's 26 lakes, and I think of the people whose lives are affected because they haven't tapped into these resources, not yet tapped in. In a similar way, there are spiritual resources that are, lie untapped in churches, in individuals, lives in those individual lives because they simply haven't gone deep enough. 
And what I'm saying is we haven't got involved. We haven't dove into God's word. We haven't embraced it in such a way. We haven't listened to, to God's word as if God was speaking directly to us. You know, uh, I was saved in the church that I became a senior pastor in, in Pennsylvania, and I, I shared that uh, this morning. But when I sat in a service, and I came in there unsaved, and it seemed like that preacher was speaking to me each Sunday. It was like he was drilling these words right into me, and I thought, hey, man, what, how about picking on somebody else? And I wasn't comfortable, but I had a hunger because I knew that I needed to hear those words. I know that we need to be in worship service. We need to be part of the group that's here. We need to to take an active role. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, men such as David and and Isaiah made uh, many of God-inspired predictions that Jesus fulfilled. As Peter wrote later, these prophets wondered that there were, what their words really meant when they would be fulfilled. Oh, thank you so much. When they would be f- fulfilled. In 1 Peter 1, 10 and 13. And the disciples had a fantastic opportunity of being eyewitnesses to the fulfillment of those prophecies. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't you like to be one of those uh, disciples, to be with Jesus when he was here. And as Annie uh, said earlier in in her reading this morning, that uh, we haven't seen him. We haven't been with him, but we love him. We love him, why? Because we've been exposed to his word, to his teaching. And by his spirit, we can be adopted into his family because of what he has accomplished on the cross. For many months, however, these disciples took Jesus for granted. Not really listening to him or obeying him. We also have a a privilege of positions where we're at in this world and in this time frame. 2,000 years of church history, excuse me, are available to us. We have the Bible in hundreds of languages. And a lot of tra- different translations and access to many excellent pastors and speakers. And, you know, Jimmy is on vacation. I'd I just like to mention that pastors deserve vacations. I mean, they deserve extra uh, vacations for, for all the times they, they, they took from their family, for all the cold uh, meals that were on the table waiting for them because they were spending time dealing with certain problems. You see, it is a full-time job being a pastor. It just isn't Sunday morning. It's, it's demands all week long. And in the meantime, there's sermons coming and presentations and, and, and speaking engagements and, and weddings and, and uh, classes. and It's just a tremendous load. And even having... Uh, uh, the message each and every Sunday, and I, I know you've heard Jimmy say, Sunday's always coming. You know, there's pressure that you're going to, every Sunday, you're going to have to stand up and feel that responsibility of the pulpit and the weight of speaking to God's people. 
and it's heavy on your heart. And the responsibility lies because you've been placed in that situation. You've been given that privilege, and it is a privilege that that I stand before you here this morning and, and being able to speak. But Donnie does a terrific job. And Adam and all those who are on stage here, I mean, they make a joyful noise. You know, they do. They set the, the, the mood and the worship service up in such a way that it's easy to come in and then preach because they've gotten us in that worship attitude. Why? Well, for one thing, they're really good. Amen. I mean, they are good. Yeah, I've been in some situations that it's, it's been different. <laughs> but I myself, uh, I'm uh, deaf in one ear and can't hear out the other. And I, I left my, uh, my uh, uh, hearing aids out because of the extra hardware I'm, I'm wearing today. But I can, I can still hear and feel their music. Because they're serving God in such a way that uplifts us. You know, they're not only making a joyful noise. It's a joy to hear them. A lot of people can make a joyful noise, but, but it is great. And I think sometimes we're like disciples that take those things for granted. And everyone that takes an active part in the services here. Those who are on stage singing, those who are out in the parking lot, parking and directing people, those who are welcoming, those who are serving in, in coffee bars, and, and all those and all the many jobs that go unnoticed and, and we take for granted, but it takes the whole family of God to do these things, to be successful in, in, in growing a church and making disciples. Yet we often take these things for granted. Remember, with privileges come responsibilities because we've been exposed to God's word. We've been privileged to know so much about Christ. We must be careful to follow him. Do you get excited about church? Huh? Oh, boy. Do you? Oh, it's great to hear that. I get up in the morning, it's not like, oh man, I gotta get up early, it's Sunday, it's church. Oh, I'd like to just sleep in. I get up and I say, hey man, it's Sunday. We get to go to church. We get to be with the church family. What if Jesus was coming over to your place for a visit? Well, first thing, we'd have to get our house all in order, right? <laughs> In our scripture, after teaching through Galilee, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for the festival of shelters. Now, that's described in Leviticus, Leviticus excuse me, 23.33. This event occurred in October, so it's about six months after Passover, the Passover celebration. The, the fest, festival was commemorate, commemorated. I tripped over that this morning. I'm going to trip over it again today. All day long. I might as well just take it out of there. Anyway, the days when the Israelites wandered in the wilderness is what they were observing and what they were bringing to remembrance. And they lived in these shelters. So it was like a giant camp out. And they were all put up these shelters where they're like, what we would say, they were tenting out, you know. 
and celebrate and cooking out and all the, all the good things. And it was, it was a celebration as well. So Jesus had come back for that and uh, Jesus spoke in Jerusalem and, Jerusalem and then he visited a tiny village on the eastern slope of the Mount Olives. Bethany is the name of the town. And he stopped and visited his friends Martha and, and Mary and, and went to their house. And that's where we come to our scripture out of Luke. Luke 38 says that Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to come help me. <laughs> Can you see yourself doing saying these things? Huh? There you're doing all this work and your sister's over there just sitting there absorbing everything that, that Christ is saying. She's hanging on every word. She's taking it all in. I believe this. That Christ, while he walked this earth, never had an idle word come from his mouth. Everything that he spoke and everything that he said to each and every person had a purpose. Because he was in the center of God's will. He was doing God's will. He was doing what God intended him to do. Everything he said was important. Everything. Wouldn't it be great? To sit at his feet and not be distracted. Well, the answer that Christ gives Martha isn't what, like we say many times, we ask God a question. We don't get the answer that we expect, do we? We expect sometimes some reward or something done for us or, or some situation changed. And what happens? Jesus says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered you were worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. Better to sit at his feet. Better to absorb everything that he's saying. Better than making any fuss about dinner. Those things will take care of himself, is what he's saying. She has chosen the better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary had that hunger and thirst after Christ that we need to have. We have to have. It's important and it's vitally important to our Christian walk. It's important to our health. It's the thirst that can be got at the well. The wells in the Sahara Desert aren't drilled. Those people are suffering a thirst. That's physical. But I believe in many churches today, are suffering from a thirst. Do you allow yourself to be distracted from what God is saying to you? I mean, even in a church service, do you get your cell phones out and text or quit paying attention, just tune out? Ah, it's easy to tune out on me, but you're distracted. Have you ever distracted yourself in such a way? When I was pastor up in Pennsylvania, there was a, a large uh, uh, rest home where I'd be asked to speak on certain uh, Sundays. They would 
they would ask the pastor to come in in the, in the afternoon. They would have a, a service for the residents there. And they had a beautiful day room. And they, all these people would come in and, and uh, you know, they needed assistance. And they would come in and circle around. And, and I'm in the middle of my sermon. I think I'm doing a good job. And there's a phone ring. And I'm not, I'm trying, not, you know, not to let it distract me and I'm going on the phone keeps ringing and keeps ringing I'm like boy what somebody answered the phone you know what <laughs> and it's starting to distract me and and in the middle of that this one cute little old lady in a wheelchair leans over to the lady next to her and she must have been like me death in one ear can't hear out of the other she says the pastor's phone's ringing <laughs> <laughs> You see, when you're deaf in one ear and you can't hear out the other one, you can't tell where sound's coming from. Here it's coming from my cell phone. <laughs> so it's easy to be distracted. I, I, it's easy to distract yourself. But wouldn't you like to sit at Jesus' feet and to learn from him? Not just a, a preacher or a teacher, but actually be with the teacher. Son of God, our Savior, God in flesh. To be at his feet and learn and glean from him the things that he's telling you. Well, we can come close to that. We can't be with him physically, but we can be with him spiritually. Mary and Martha both loved Jesus and were excited to see him. And even uh, in such a way that I've been excited. And maybe you've been excited to see one, someone who's coming to your house. I'm sure it raised great excitement. Well, when uh, we lived in Pennsylvania, we used to do a lot of camping. And there's a beautiful camping spot. It's called Prince Galitzin State Park. It's just a few miles north of Altoona, Pennsylvania up in the mountains in a beautiful reservoir and lake and a campground there, and it's just beautiful. And we'd, we'd go there all the time. Well, we had to cut our visit short because my brother was coming. He was coming from California, and he hadn't been home for 10 years. In fact, he hadn't been home since uh, Sue and I had gotten married, and, and we had a young family, and my girls had never met him, so there, there was excitement about him coming to town. So we packed up the camper, headed home. We got home, and uh, we had a ranch-type home and had a, a, a patio in the, in the back. And I used to pull the camper right out, uh, right next to that patio, just a short distance from our glass sliding door. So I would open the glass sliding door, and anything that was in the uh, camper, I would get out and, and put in the, the family room. And I'm, I'm doing this. I'm getting out, and I'm putting it in. I'm putting it out. The girls go out, and they got their cat out, and they're, they're out in the yard, and, and uh, I'm busy doing this, and I'm kind of a, you know, I'm like a one-track mind. I do one thing at a time, and, you know, call me on the phone while I'm watching. I either got to do one or two things. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm, I'm in and out, and somewhere in the process, somebody closed the, the screen door. Well, I put a package down, and out, Bang! 
If you've been to our Wednesday evening service, you've heard me tell this story, so I just could tell it again. I often see people with a boot on, and I ask them if they ever kicked a cat. Now, they don't get that, but I always get it, and I say, there's a story that goes with that. Well, when I hit that door, boy, it took the hide right off my forehead, but man, it really hurt my nose. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I blew that screen right off the hinges, you know, right off the framework, and I'm like, oh, I'm on. I'm just trying to recover from that. And the two girls come running up to me and they say, Dad, Dad, the cat's in the, in the hedgerow and there's another cat going to tear it up. Come, quick. And I said, no, 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 it'll be all right. No, Dad, come, come, please. Oh, all right. So I stop unloading out to our hedgerow. Now, our hedgerow had some things in it. It had a 55-gallon drum and it had a place where my, my girls played off in the woods and everything. And there's the cat by that drum. There's two of them, and they're hissing at each other like snakes, and they're just ready to, to get into it, you know? So I thought, well, I'll just grab a hold of our cat and give her a fling back. <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> I grabbed a hold of that cat, and that cat, did you ever see in the, the horror movies where the head spins around and around on the... That's what happened. This cat did that and clamped on to that soft, meaty part of my hand. I mean, clamped with its teeth down in there and then wrapped its paws around my hand. And I'm like, ha! Ah. <laughs> and then she took her back legs and started shredding my, my arm. I got to get rid of this. I got to get this cat off my hand. So I figured I'd kick it. <laughs> Impossible. I missed the cat, but you know what I did kick? That 55-gallon drum. <laughs> I had a pair of sandals on, and that drum went boom and moved about six inches. Along with that went my big toenail. <laughs> ah! I forgot about the cat. I'm looking at the, and the man, the blood's just running into my sandal, and just, and the cat's gone. It must have been the boom when I hit, cat's nowhere in sight, so, uh, uh, I don't, I got a new shirt on. I got blood dripping out, and my, my face is tore up. You know, I, I go walking into the house. I step out of the hedgerow. There was a dirty bird flying over. You know that dirty bird did? Right down the front of my new shirt. So I stumbled into the house, and Sue says, Man, what happened to you? You're a mess. She said, We've only been home five minutes. What happened to you? That's a true story. I said, I don't know, but it happens again. I ain't never coming home. <laughs> so my brother's still waiting on us, so we're going to go in. So I got cleaned up as much as I could and put a wrap around my toe. And, oh, man, it's hurting. And this arm's just, oh, it's really bothering me. By the time we started into town, my hands started to swell up. So instead of going home to see my brother, we went to the hospital to get a cat scratch fever type thing. Then after that, Things started to improve. But I never forgot that. And every time I see somebody with a busted foot, I think about kicking a cat. Don't ever kick a cat.
Don't ever. And don't be sidetracked in your excitement. True, Mary and Martha both loved Jesus. On this occasion, they were both serving him, but Martha thought Mary's style of serving was inferior to hers. You see, the most important thing, let me, let me make sure we understand this, the most important thing that we can do as Christians is spend time with Jesus. Learn from him. Get into him. Absorb what he has to say to us. Have a relationship with him. Be that attentive to him. You know, Jesus didn't blame Martha for being concerned about the household chores. My tongue gets twisted around every now and then, and I can't untwist it, so I just have to go go along with it. But he he was only asking her to set our priorities, and that's what we have to do. We need to set our priorities. Know this, that God has a place for you in his ministry. We are all ministers of some sort. And God has a job particularly for you. And it's just important to him. Even though it might not seem that big of a deal to you. It's when you start serving God in some way that the church actually feels like it belongs to you. Like you're part of it. Like you're involved with it, that it's your church. Our last picture of Martha, she's once again serving a meal to Jesus and his disciples, but the Bible records her silence. This time, she was silent. She began to learn what her younger sister already knew that worship begins with silence and listening. Silence and listening before the Lord. To hear God, see, to hear God speak to you. And God speaks to us as individuals. He knows every hair in your head. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your failures. He knows your strong points. He knows all there is about you. He knows that. He knows those things. But to hear God speak to you, first off, you have to be listening or you're not going to hear. You have to be listening to what God is saying to you directly. Like me sitting in that uh, service in Pennsylvania and that pastor kept picking on me. He did become uh, my uh, dearest friend. And I, I was his associate pastor for six years. And when he retired, I became the senior pastor. But I had to start listening first. I had to listen to what God was telling me. Wouldn't you like to sit at Jesus' feet and just learn directly from him? To be all into him, to what he's saying? You see, he's coming to our house. He's coming. He's coming again. He's coming for us. He's coming for his church. He's coming for those who belong to him. He's coming to us. And we will see that physical presence of God coming. And he'll be coming in all his glory. And we'll be forever and ever with him. In paradise that was lost. 
with the original sin and every sin that's been committed since then. Christ has paid the price. See, he was our sacrifice. He was on the cross for us. Well, what would you give for an opportunity to be at the feet of Jesus? What would it cost you? That brings us to our scripture for today, even though it's taken me a while to get there. What time does this service end, by the way? You guys are going to be late today. (laughs) See, I don't want to change anything up that much. (laughs) Romans 12, 1 and 3 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by all the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, you know, God has told us, be thou holy, for I am holy. But here he's saying, present your, your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, for I say, though the, the grace be given to me, through, excuse me, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, and that means to each and every one of us as well, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, But think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. See, God has a position in his kingdom for each and every person. We were saved, often said, we were saved not to sit, but to serve. And I think this goes along with with what Donnie was presenting this morning. In verse 1 and 2 says that we must fully express our surrender to God before God wants our service. He wants a guarantee that he really has you. More than words, he wants submission. He wants us to submit to his will, to give up our will and the things that we would do and take up our cross and follow him, to do what he's directing us to do. And that takes that submission. And I think we have a, tr- a problem with submission and the people, people in this time. We don't want to submit to anything. But we must sub- submit to the will of God. We must let him control us. He must be our driving purpose. It says in our scripture there today, therefore, based on All that God has done for you, Paul says, I urge you, brothers, even though Paul could have commanded, instead he makes an appeal. Notice he refers to them as brothers. In other words, he's talking to Christians, not unbelievers, but to Christians that they need to do something that has not yet been done. Your reasonable service, showing gratitude, presenting yourself. He's making a plea in view of, 
of God's mercies. God's mercies. You know, God is not merciful just once, but he's continually merciful again and again. He is constantly and constantly full of mercy. And I'm glad that we can claim God's mercy, that we can come under that mercy that God had on us. God has demonstrated such mercy that we can't help but to respond fully by surrendering our lives to him. And in other words, showing that we're grateful for what God has done in saving us. That we have a reward stored up in heaven for us. That we have eternal life in paradise for us. That we have our forgiveness of sin for us. Because of what he has done for us. Gratefulness. Have you ever done something for someone and they haven't been grateful at all for what you've done or what you've given up and you didn't do it for praise or anything but it doesn't it gladden your heart when you've done something and somebody's so grateful for for it and they express that to you this is our expression to God for what he has done for us it's showing that we're grateful It's interesting that Paul doesn't say in light of his grace, but instead on mercy. Why is that? God's grace is demonstrated in the fact that we don't get what we deserve. See, the wages of of sin is death, eternal death. But the forgiveness of God, his mercy, that's been shown upon us by the sacrifice of his son, is getting what we don't deserve. Malachi 7.18 said, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight in showing mercy. Paul then gives three ways to fully express our thankfulness to God by our surrender to God. Our thankfulness, our offer of thankfulness. Number one, in thanks, offer your bodies. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. This is not much to ask. This is what you should do. This is a reasonable service. Because of all that God has done, because all Christ has suffered for, for what all is accomplished, this is your reasonable service. This is the way that you show that you're thankful. We are urged in view of our many mercies of God to offer our bodies a living sacrifice. The word offer is a term that was used to describe the, the bringing of a, and presenting of an animal for sacrifice on that altar. In that time and day, they, they were acquainted with that. They knew what that meant. To offer means to present once and for all. See, Christ did that on a cross once and for all, the ultimate sacrifice. But until that came, they had a picture of what Christ was doing 
in these sacrifices to present once and for all. In the Old Testament worship included those sacrifices. I can't understand what they're doing today because there are none. But what there happened during that was that animal's life was taken. That animal did not get back up off the altar. A live animal was brought into the priest and the owner would lay hands in the family many times. They'd all lay hands on this uh, unblemished offering and symbolically saying, this animal takes my place. You know, Christ took our place on the cross and died for us. The animal was then killed and the blood was sprinkled upon the altar. You see, Christ's blood was sprinkled on the cross. It was shed on the ground. It was in the whip that he was beaten with. Christ shed his blood for us. He suffered in our place. He took the sins of the world and died upon that altar, the cross. God doesn't just want us to be part, doesn't want us to just be part of our lives. He wants to be our lives. He wants us completely, not halfway. He wants us fully involved. He wants us immersed in him. He wants us deep into him. He wants to be part of of that in the commitment. He wants us to be completely committed to him. Our mind should set should be this. If Jesus gave his life for me, then I will gladly give my life to him. You see, we have to give up something. We have to give up our will and do God's will. How do you show appreciation for what Christ has done? Paul continues to say that our lives to be a living offering, to be holy and pleasing to God. Sacrifices, as I said, were without blemish or defect. In a like manner, we offer God our best. When we give our best to him, it will be pleasing or agreeable to him. This then is our spiritual act of worship. You see, worship is not just what we do here on Sunday morning. True worship is a sacrifice of our life to him. Living a holy and pleasing life every day of the week in everything that we do 24-7. The second part, the second thing, in thanks, offer your mind. Now in verse 1, calls for a decisive commandment or commitment to fully surrender. Fully surrender. Verse 2 tells us how we can maintain that committing, commitment. Excuse me, By renewing our minds. It takes a change. First of all, we become fully committed. And then by the renewing our minds and not following after the fashion or the pattern of this world. Verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world's way is doing things selfless, selfishly, selfish, doing things selfishly. 
instead of selflessly. Because the world hated Jesus, we who follow him can expect many people will hate us as well. The circumstances are going too well. Ask yourself, am I following Christ as I should? We can be grateful when our lives go well, but we must be sure that we're, it's not costing the following of Jesus half-heartedly, that we haven't become distracted. Paul is urging us to stop conforming, implying that there's something that we are doing, and that's conforming. You see, a Christian is not supposed to blend in. The word transform refers to the interchange of a person. As we present ourselves as living sacrifice and reflect upon the mercies of God as evidenced in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will transform our minds. He who controls the mind owns the person. Does Christ own you this morning? Third thing that, that Paul offers is in thanks, offer your will. This may be one of the most difficult things to do because it does have to do with being submissive. God will not force us into anything. Know that. The second part of verse 2, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He doesn't dominate our wills, but allows us to choose his will. But there's no use just sitting back and waiting for that to be revealed to us, to see the writing on the wall, to have a lightning bolt hit us. We've got to start. You see, it's an active verb. <clears throat> we learn his will by doing his will. Sounds strange? When you wonder what God's will is for you in your life, because I've heard many people say this, I just don't know what God's will is for me in, in my life. The first place to start is by living out Romans 12, 1 and 2. By surrendering ourselves to him. Until you offer him your body, mind, and will, you will not understand his good and pleasing, perfect will. Once you do that, you begin to understand what God has for you, what God wants you to do, what's pleasing in his sight. Last thing, verse 3, tells us, have the proper estimate of self. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, never forgetting this truth. Something I, I'd like you to remember, if you could remember anything out of the service. Remember that God uses us simply because he wants to. It's a privilege because God loves us and he wants to use us. We're to avoid thinking too highly of ourselves and we're to avoiding, avoid thinking too lowly of ourselves. We do that by focusing on God's grace. My two girls, I used to tell them many times, 
You're no better than anybody else. You're no better than anybody else. But nobody else is better than you. We're all equally important to God. We all have a purpose in God's work. Everything we are and everything we have is by God's grace. God has blessed us with these things. Whatever we have is by God's grace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and for your word and for your mercy upon us and that you shed your mercy on us that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sin, that we might be adopted into his family, the family of God. Many of us have made that commitment. But Lord, if you are speaking to us for things that are undone in our lives, may we be attentive to your word. May we we be listening to you. May we be that living sacrifice for you. And if we've never come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and if you're speaking to our hearts right now, and we know that it's something that we should do, Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts in such a way and that we might pray this simple prayer. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. I want to serve you and not self. Help me, Lord, to be all that you would have me to be. May your will be done in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you very much. God bless. Thank you, Paul. It's been a great day here at Rock River Church. We're excited that you were here worshiping with us today. And as a follow-up, if you're looking for area to get connected and to serve, be sure to look at the sheet inside your bulletin and pray about that. And you can put that in the offering basket uh, next Sunday. Also, if you're a guest with us today, please let us know by using the connection card. And you could drop that in the offering basket or take that in the information table. We have a free gift for you. Rock River Church, we love you. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your
But he brought me in Oh, his love for me Oh, his love for me Who the sun sets free Oh, is free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I Died for me. Yes, he died 
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy. 